this fall have been in a series we've called Leaning In. Uh, it's about discipleship and uh, engaging in Jesus' teaching, wrestling with what it means here and now. Uh, we can look at this in terms of our being students, learners, or followers of Jesus, and not wanting to be apathetic and not uh, disinterested toward Jesus' teachings. Uh, I've confessed as part of the series and before that really until uh, I went to junior college, Deanne's a junior college in Cupertino, I was pretty much an uninterested, disinterested student. Uh, I was that guy in the back of the class, usually leaning back, looking at anything else beyond me, not looking or listening into what the teacher had to say. I just was not yet engaged. At once I went to junior college, I started listening, learning, and academically starting to take things in and grew as a student. And uh, I would continue to seek degrees if there were more degrees to go get. And Beth finally said after my last one, you realize this is pretty much it, right? You can't get any more degrees. And I was like, eh, it's kind of sad. Uh, because I have made a decision, and I invite you to join me, whatever this looks like for you, to be a lifelong learner. Be a lifelong learner. And especially, we want to be lifelong learners, uh, disciples of Jesus. And today, and kind of following the message last week, we're in the core, some of the core teaching on Jesus' Sermon on the Plain, where he's challenging his listeners, his disciples, his followers, uh, to lean in to what he has to say, and particularly apply it to some of the most difficult relationships that we have in life, where really the rubber hits the road when it comes to our uh, discipleship. So today we're in Luke 6, 32 to 36, and part two of loving your enemies. There it says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to those who do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. And looking at this message and this sermon on the plane, and we think we can think about it again as academically as students, listening in, learning, wanting to take in Jesus' teachings. Uh, we've also had an image up and on our bulletin that is an athletic one, uh, leaning forward uh, like an athlete. Um, yesterday I had an example of this. Uh, Josh was running in his league final race uh, as a freshman in high school. He was running in the Frost Soft Championship with about 50 kids. And at one point he, he went ahead, but there was this other kid that looked really strong and like that kid could catch him uh, towards the end. And, and it got really close and towards the end. And uh, eventually I sent a text to my dad and I said, Josh ended up winning his race by, by, by point 23 seconds. And my dad said, oh, he won by 23 seconds? That's awesome. I said, no, he won by 0.23 seconds. As in the other guy and he both had a finishing time of 11.23 the point, too, was the fact that I think he got his hair just out in front of this other kid or something or just leaned slightly ahead. And you could tell he, he had won the race. Congratulations, Josh. Way to go. 
The point being is we want to be engaged as students. We want to be on the edge of our seats, listening in, learning to what Jesus, leaning into what Jesus has to say and, and taking it in and looking at our lives in terms or through the lens of Jesus' kingdom teaching. We know that that kingdom teaching comes in the context of his calling us to be disciples. Uh, he comes down from the mountain of, over a night of prayer. He calls his disciples to him. There are crowds there too, and he teaches them these things. But as we get farther along in the series, we're going to look at two things, where Jesus is headed. And where Jesus is headed is he wants us to be like a tree that bears good fruit in a message that I believe Pastor Greg has in a couple weeks. And he also wants us to be people with a really solid foundation to live our lives on the rock of Jesus and his teaching. And man, in the midst of all the changes we've had in our society over the last few years with COVID and politics and just different challenges we face, we need that rock-like solid foundation of Jesus and his teachings if we're going to stand amidst life's storms. And if we're going to be a tree, we've got to be really deeply rooted in Jesus and his teachings if we're going to stand up and bear good fruit. Uh, after that storm last week, it was amazing driving around town, seeing how many trees and how many limbs were on the ground, fallen, knocked down by that serious storm. Well, that's what can happen in life if we're not rooted in Jesus. In his teachings here, he, he wants us to know what being and living a kingdom kind of life is like. And at this point, he makes a remarkable series of comparisons between the life of believers and those of worldly people. He says even sinners, even those who live apart from God, act decently to, to um, those who uh, reflect kindness and, are, are recipro- and reciprocate. In other words, kind of a reciprocal relationship. And in comparison with the kingdom, though, he says we're not just supposed to reciprocate love and respond in kind to people. We're not called to a, a tit-for-tat, only-if-you-love-me-back kind of love. Instead, Our love is to be proactive, it's to be no strings attached, it's to be unconditional, unmerited kind of love, love like Jesus. And that love, as Jesus' believers, is to be reflective of the fact that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. In verse 35 there, it talks about you are sons of the Most High God, and I want to say you are sons and daughters of the Most High God. And in relationship with that God, we have a sonship or a daughtership that we do not earn or deserve, but which God has given to us as an act of his grace and mercy in Jesus. Jesus isn't teaching that we earn sonship or daughtership. Rather, that we will be recognized as his children by the kind of fruit that is born out of our lives. And a central aspect of that fruit is to be merciful. And here, Jesus you know, points this part out. Luke captures his teaching that being merciful singles that kind of life which was reflective of, of the different examples where, you know, our life might come up short or we might withhold mercy. But instead, the pattern of our lives is to be one of kindness to others because of God's kindness to us. In other words, if we are sons and daughters of the Most High God, we are to love like our Father loves even when other people are unlovely. Even when they don't return what we lend or are ungrateful or even wicked in the way they respond to our love. 
Dallas Willard says, God's agape love is a love that reaches everyone we deal with. It is not in their power to change that. In other words, God is like, I'm going to love you. You can respond one way or another, but, but I'm going to love you in that way. And that love is the very core uh, or can become the very core of our fellowship. It is not something so much that we do then, uh, deeds of love or reflections of love, including love for our enemies. Agape love is more of a reflection of who we are and who we have become in relationship with God. Pastor Greg uh, quoted uh, one version of this through the Psalms, but the central affirmation, all the Old Testament of who God is, comes out of Exodus 34, 6 and 7. And there, Moses is trying to get a sense of, who is this God that's calling me, you know, uh, that's called me in relationship with him, called me to go and rescue the Israelites out of Egypt. And I, I want to know this God. And, and God literally go, passes Moses and says, the Lord, the Lord, He's gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And he does not treat us as our sins deserve. That is central to who God is. Okay? So if we're his followers, learners, or disciples, it would make sense that we become people who are gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And we do not treat others as their sins deserve. Okay, so what this means is we are going to work on loving the unlovely, loving our enemies in spite of what they might do to us. And there's both personal and corporate aspects of this because back in verse 27 and 28, it's in the singular 27, actually through 27 through 29, you, but then it moves into the plural in 31 to 36. So the dynamic Jesus is teaching us here is our personal relationships will be marked by this kind of love. Uh, loving people uh, who are enemies personally and seeking to overcome those differences and divisions. But what then is going to happen is as we do that, that's going to impact us corporately. As C.S. Lewis would talk about, there's going to be a a good infection. And in the midst of our COVID-impacted pandemic, I'm always, okay, we've got this this pandemic. We're trying to figure out how to work through and, and care for one another and that. But while that's going on, my prayer is that there's a good infection of God's love and likeness more and more into our community. And that means loving across our differences, loving other people, even in the midst of their mistreatment, mistreatment, hatred, cursing, abusing, striking, stealing, or even begging, like pressuring somebody's compassion. The followers of Jesus here may be victims. Like you may feel like a victim sometimes, but they're not to regard themselves as victims in the sense of being shaped and determined by the hostilities and abuse unleashed on you. Instead, you're to take the initiative, not by responding in kind, but by, uh, by work not, and not being a doormat or whining about it, but rather responding with love. We're not to react in anger bitterness, the desire for revenge, but rather embrace the kingdom principles of love, forgiveness, and generosity. Such behavior there is the pursuit of that life one learns from God, who did not reciprocate, but who is kind and even grateful and and merciful to the unlovely. Love like God's love is a love that responds proactively in care for other people, It's a love that is transformed by the God we worship who does not react but acts in love and grace towards all. 
That is what it means to be children of God who see other believers as part of a a body who is indispensably related to us. Paul talks about this in several places. For instance, in 2 Corinthians 5, 16 uh, through 21, he says, From now on, regard no one else from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and given us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting their sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though he were making his appeal through us. Therefore, be reconciled to God. In other words, as we experience that reconciliation that, we, that God has won for us in Christ, when, when he reflects love for us even in the midst of our unloveliness and the ways we have made ourselves enemies with God, we become then transformed and become his ambassadors of that grace, mercy, and love to other people. God, who, who knew no sin, made himself sin for us so that we can become the righteousness of God in a right relationship with God and then ready and prepared to better be in right relationship with other people. And this is where we celebrate our connection as part of the body of Christ. And in places like Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians 12, we're, we're shown that we are connected with Christ as our head, as a body, and we see one another as vital parts of an organism that exists together, and that we we need one another in that, and we grow and we connect with one another in that. Uh, I had an interaction, have these every week, (laughs) with somebody who just said, well, you know, I'm not quite ready to be back. Well, what's going on? Well, you know, I don't really, I'm not really worried about that COVID thing any longer, but you know, my couch just feels really comfortable on Sunday mornings. And you know, I wake up and I, I get my cup of coffee and I, I walk out and I sit on my couch and sometimes I'm in my pajamas and really comfortable. I sit down and, and I do church that way. And you know, and I said to the person, man, I am really thankful for our live stream especially last week. I mean, it was, it was a mess here. I mean, I had a text from one staff member that said, call off church, tell everybody to go live stream. I mean, we get people off the roads. And they may have been right. I, am, I, I appreciate that connection. But I don't want to limit us to that connection. Because church is about connecting, right? It's the body of Christ. It's about building loving relationships. We're life on life. Even when we're rubbing each other the wrong ways sometimes, we're ultimately, uh, it's ultimately that iron that sharpens iron. And we grow in relationship with other people when Jesus calls us out of ourselves and into loving other people. The greatest example of this in all of scripture is the parable of the prodigal son. My favorite story in scripture. And you remember there, the prodigal son, he asks for his dad's and, you know, his share of the inheritance and he goes off and he squanders it in wild living in the far off country and uh, he comes back. And the amazing thing is that God, this God of grace and compassion, uh, goes out, runs out and wraps his arms around his son and welcomes him back. And he says, let's throw a party and celebrate. And everybody's happy except for the older son. And the older son's out there in the field and 
he's begrudging the fact that this younger son could go away, you know, squander half the estate. Half the estate's now gone, or a quarter, whatever part of that estate is now gone. And the son comes back, and, and you know, the older son's doing the math, and he's like, this is just going to take more of my estate away. But the, but the younger son comes back, and, and the older son loves him and cares about him. And for us within the church, unfortunately, we can get stuck in our what are called older son attitudes. And we are so thankful for God's grace and mercy to us. But we're questioning whether that really should be shown to those other people. It's like we think God's squandering his grace and mercy for those other people who are undeserving. And, and they're not going to really see it as wor- of worth and value. And the greatest key here in our relationships with others is to see ourselves repeatedly as that younger son, as that person who is in need of grace and mercy. We need it every day, not just for the past, but also for the present. And it's only as we respond and relate that way that we are going to get out of our older son attitudes and get into the game of loving anyone who returns, anyone who reconnects. Uh, Tim, do we have uh, Rembrandt's uh, prodigal son, uh, Return of the Prodigal? If we could pick that picture up. There it is. Perfect. Thank you. I'm looking at the back. We've got two screens going on here. Sometimes I get confused. Thank you. So uh, you know this is my favorite painting. If you've been in my office, it's in four different points in my office. So whenever I'm meeting with somebody, if I'm counseling with somebody, I always have this image around in the room. And the chairs in my office, and if you've been in my office, I never meet with people across my desk. I always meet at chairs. And so across my desk, there isn't an image of this. But if you sit in any one of my four chairs in my office, this image will be in my sight. Why? Because I always want to remember that I'm that guy first. No matter who I'm meeting with, no matter what the issues are we're working through, I am that prodigal son who sins, who turns away from God, and is always in need of God's grace and mercy. And I also want to remember, I don't want to be the guy on the right. He's sitting there saying, why are we giving this guy a second chance? He does not deserve it, and he's just going to blow it again. And get out of that place and get in the game of loving people in Jesus' name question that Rick Warren raised in a devotional this week was, is forgiveness fair? Is forgiving somebody else fair? He said, no, and it was in capital, double caps with an explanation point. It is not fair, but nor has God treated you fairly. God has loved you when you did not deserve it. That's the whole point of the gospel, that he's gracious and mercy to us when we don't deserve it. You see, forgiveness is not about fairness. It's not about getting even. It's about grace. That you, uh, you don't forgive another person because it's the fair thing to do. You forgive a person because it's the right thing to do. And if you don't, you end up holding on to that hurt and that hate. And it starts to serve almost like a cancer to you spiritually inside and in your relationships. We always need to remember forgiveness is not free. But it's not cheap. Or excuse me, forgiveness is free, but it is not cheap. It costs Jesus his life. It costs God his one and only son. As Jesus was dying on the cross with his arms stretched out, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And other people don't know what they're doing to us. They don't know how they're impacting us. But in our call to be like Jesus, we're called to love beyond those limits as dear children of God. 
loving as, as loved children. And when we have that identity and we're resting in that identity as loved children of God, people whom God has shown agape, unconditional love, unmerited favor to, then we can start to love like that without limitations and without conditions. And our obedience to God in those challenging relationships comes out as an expression of our nature as children of God. It becomes more natural to reflect that kind of love because we've been shown it and we're living in it. We have lots of examples in Scripture along these lines. I quoted 1 Corinthians 13, the great love passage last week. You know, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It doesn't harbor bitterness, resentment. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Uh, love like that is Jesus' type of love that he has shown us, and we then show other people. Question, is that easy to do? No. It's the absolute hardest thing to do that we're ever going to encounter. But just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not right. Okay? And so as Paul reminds us there, when we are substantially transformed by the love of God to the very depths of our being, then the intricacies of our thoughts, feelings, assurances, dispositions are going to be changed and and so permeated by God's love within us that then we are enabled to love as an act of the will. I was meeting with a, 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 a ministry coach this last week. And he was talking about the fact that, that our obedience um, is in, and our forgiveness of others isn't a feeling or emotion. It is an act of the will. If I'm thinking about it just in terms of my feelings and emotions, my frustrations towards others, I'm not going to forgive them. But when I trust Jesus enough and his love enough for me, his forgiveness, his mercy of me, then I can act as an act of the will and can go on loving other people. 1 John 3, 1, great letter of love, says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. You do not deserve to be called children of God. You've been called children of God and made children of God out of the agape love of God that has been spread into your hearts and is meant to be a good infection that then transforms the way you relate to other people. And I'll close with this. The point of, one the point of application and, and good infection here is loving those we lend to. And this is one, another one of those hardest things. We can love, you know, emotionally caring for people perhaps. We can forgive spiritually as we are called to. Um, but sometimes, you know, when we lend things to other people, it can get sticky, right? And relationships can become negatively impacted sometimes as a result. And there are times when I've lent something to someone and uh, they didn't return it back. Or if there was kind of an agreement, I will give you this if you do this and then it falls apart and you're sort of left with these feelings and emotions like somebody let you down. I remember an experience where a person was doing some landscaping work for us and we decided that we were going to compensate him for that landscape uh, work by giving him a, a truck that I had, this old Nissan truck that probably, you know, I don't know if it was worth $800, $1,000, I, I don't remember exactly. But we decided to give him the truck and we gave him the truck and we never saw him again. And landscape work never got done. And we're left with this like feeling of being wronged and hurt. And I remember Beth and I just talking about praying about just letting it go. 
The great parable on this is Matthew 18, 27, where there's a servant who has a king he's in relationship with, and he comes and he, he asks for forgiveness from the servant and said, please forgive my debt and please you know, let me go free. And the, the king, uh, the Lord there, uh, is kind to him. And it says the servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. But if we know the rest of the story, the sad reality is that that servant then went out and demanded that a fellow servant pay back a lesser amount that he owed him and had that person go to debtor's prison as a result. And when the king heard about this, we're told that he was furious. But how much are we like that unmerciful servant sometimes? We love receiving God's grace and mercy ourselves, but are we willing to extend that to other people? Are we willing to love like that? Church, we're called to forgive because God has forgiven us. We're called to forgive and be merciful like our Father is merciful because in the end, resentment, unforgiveness is like self-torture. It's putting yourself in that place where it's continually doing harm to you emotionally and spiritually. And ultimately, we're called to forgive because you need, I need, forgiveness each and every day. And that becomes a living, dynamic reality. So Bo's about to play a song, I believe, on his violin. And the intent for this is to be prayerful space and time, allowing the music to wash over you, but also for you to do business with God in this time. And my question for you is, who do you, in what situation or circumstance or relationship do you need to apply this message to you? Where in your life is, and in what relationship is God calling you to apply the teachings from this passage? And what will that look like? It may be that person that, you know, the greatest hurt you've experienced in your life that God may bring to mind. The question would be, have you forgiven that person? And if so, how has that forgiveness affected you? If not, how can you begin to forgive and release your hurt today? Consider how God has forgiven you for so many things. And then respond with that forgiving love with other people. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to invite Bo to play as we seek to allow God to prayerfully apply this message to our hearts and to our minds. God, your word says that judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful, but that mercy also triumphs over judgment. So may we be people who have received your mercy and love, but also are prepared to reflect that mercy and love to other people. Lord, where we have held back, we repent. Turning away from false ways of behaving and um, the lack of forgiving. Lead us instead to love our enemies, to do good to those who have hurt us, to be kind to those, even when they're not kind to us. To lend and give ourselves, even when there may not be a response in return. And even when that return and response is unfavorable or hurtful, Lord God, help us to be steadfast and loving and in doing good for others and in ultimately leaving the results to you. Lord God, meet with us in this time of reflection. Heal our hearts and minds and to prepare us to go back out and to love like you love. Amen.